Ready for more previews from AHF Euro 2022? Too right you are. We're only two groups down in our podcast preview series. Looking back at our live show on Monday evening, which we did on the Home of Handball Twitch channel. Today, it's groups C and D. And as we did with the other groups, we've predicted all of the results because we want you to take us on. We want you to download the Home of Handball app and get yourselves into the prediction game. Check out our social media, Handball Hour, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We'll have links to compete against us in the Prediction League with prizes on offer. So listen to today's podcast, check out the prediction game, and take us on. Now, time for Groups C and D. We'll go straight into Group C now, and uh, we'll introduce our two guests for today in just a moment. But first, looking at the group itself, Group C is going to be in Seged. I'm really excited about this one because I'm going to Seged on Wednesday. I'm going to be commentating on this group for EHF TV. It's Croatia, Serbia, France, Ukraine, uh, a blockbuster group, I believe. I've just been told there's no Zika at the moment. So uh, so we have one guest who's going to be joining us for the moment anyway. I'll see you about our second one. But what a guest we have coming up. It's uh, Dragan Jukic, who, when you look at his coaching career, and just look at his Wikipedia alone, if you don't even know the man, you could talk to him for hours about his coaching career alone. He has been with Pick Seged, he's been with Vardar, he's been the Macedonian coach, the Swiss coach, the Great Britain coach at the 2012 Olympics, Israel, Montenegro, CSM Bucharesti, and currently at Tatabanya in Hungary. So first of all, Dragan, very welcome to the show. How are you? Regards from Tatabanya, we are waiting championship to start you know in hungary here is the madness we expect uh, spectators inside the whole full halls especially in seged new hall in uh, budapest and new arena in tatabanya behind my back is ready anything gets to be wrong uh, warm warm welcome from from hungary and i hope to see you there in seged chris Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And um, I mean, you're in Hungary itself. Can you give us a bit of a, a feel for the excitement for the championship? I know it's, it's a huge handball nation, Hungary. They're going to be hosting their first men's major championship. Uh, the whole country must be really starting to get excited now. Hungarians uh, usually like handball a lot. And let's be honest, in female and male competitions, we have a great team like Jair, Ferenc, Varos, Seged and Westprem and People regularly like to watch the handball. There's a lot of fans and I, I'm sure that all halls will be full and they uh, understand the handball. They like handball. They will support the good handball and especially in this group C will be a lot of uh, complicated matches and people will really enjoy. And uh, before the championship start, uh, a few days ago, we have a match uh, between uh, 
uh, Hungary and Bahrain. That was interesting game uh, with uh, Bahrain playing open defense against Hungary. And uh, I'm sure that Hungarians are full of ambition in front of this competition. And uh, let's mention one important thing is that uh, this Euro is very important for the future of uh, all European national teams because actually from, from this uh, event we will have uh, four teams directly qualified for next World Championship. And position, that's important now to explain uh, why is competition in C group very important, what will give the uh, pairs for the barrage matches for the World Championship actually delegating the places for Paris, a race for Paris already starts with, with this Euro and that I'm sure that my colleagues know this and that's why and how important this competition will be. So Dragon, we asked you on today to talk about uh, Serbia since you were a Serbian man born, born and grew up in Serbia. I think a lot of people have been surprised about their turnaround in the last year or so. Have, what have you seen that they're doing differently now to the Serbia of old? Uh, finally, team looks like a group, like a group of people fighting for something. With um, you know, with, with big wish. Actually, Serbia is unbeaten team in 2021, and that's important statistical detail before before this. And this two great game against France in the qualification was a. Uh, injection of self-confidence uh, for all nation, not just for the team. And team looks unique. Even they, they missed it, cannot play any friendly match because of a lot of COVID cases before. But uh, in this moment, team stay without one of the biggest star. Petr Nenadic is out from the competition. And from one side, it's the minus. From another side, that give even bigger importance for the defense of Serbian team and two goalkeepers, Milosavljev and Supara, who are really, really full power of this team. And will be interesting playing this group because of those two matches against France and now some kind of revenge. And let's speak later about France and about Croatia. But also, uh, I have one interesting detail that uh, Serbia didn't uh, won Croatia from 2012. From that big semi-final game in Belgrade Arena in front of 20,000 people. And let's be honest, now is probably the moment when Serbia can dream to win Croatia and to get the second phase. But that will be extremely important matches. In, if you ask me, Serbia have um, one good schedule because starting with uh, this dangerous underdog with Ukraine and then going to deciding match against Croatia, actually. And then in the third match against France, we'll fight for some points for the second phase if that happened. But in any case, Serbia can play this third match with a chance to close three teams with four points and to find their place. That means for Serbia, it's not, you know, it's usual to say that first match is most important match, but actually for Serbia, things going well because there is a lot of uh, mystery against Ukraine team because uh, Yellow Cup was cancelled. There was no matches of Ukraine team. Uh, Ukraine team is completely new, let's say almost completely new, with the new head coach, with Michal Bigler there, uh, with one team preparing to play in next World Championship and next Olympic, what's their target. But it is one of the biggest underdog in competition because except of the two winnings against Faroe Island and one point 
in this match against Russia. They don't have any, any big victory in the last five years. For me, Ukraine is dangerous, but still underdog in that game. And in that, uh, in this moment, Serbia have a the last victory against Slovakia in October, November, EHF. And that, that was only one they played. That can be the problem a little bit, but as I said, like schedule is okay for them. They can win the game against Ukraine and then come on the second game, most important game for Serbia, probably against Croatia in the last 10 years, not just in this competition. And maybe sticking with Croatia a little bit, it seems like as the Serbian team is rising, the Croatian team might be on the way down a little bit. Do you see that they they are missing some key players uh, at this championship? But do you see the level between the two teams equalizing? And do you think Croatia are still, or do you think Croatia are still the top team that they've been for the last many years? Uh, well, honestly, I have a big respect for every for Croatia. In last fifteen years, they are always in top four. Actually, they missed Tokyo, and that was one big minus after after resign of Lino Cerva and one A race finished. And now, Hrvatska uh, Horvat create new team. Let's say maybe Serbian team is better in better shape in this moment. But those things, what Croatia have in history and support and everything, and some new lions like Martinovic, Jaganjas, Nacinovic, Blair. With hunger also to fight for national sport like handball in Croatia is, I would like to dream that turns a 50-50, but for me, Croatia is already. But in this moment, let's say that there is a big pressure on their shoulder because they have to win. If they lose against France, they will come on the game against Serbia to play on the edge. Yeah, there's always so many things to consider in that regard. And, and you know, you mentioned it there briefly about COVID as well. There's the likes of um, Dovniak and Sindrich, who are still uncertain uh, when it comes to the, the games, uh, the first couple of games of the championship. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you talked a lot about coaches there, and you mentioned Tony Girona. I want to ask you about him. He's somebody that uh, the three of us know very well as well, as he started his international career with Ireland uh, a few years ago. Uh, what do you think of his impact on the team? Because it feels like uh, there's a lot of, uh, particularly a lot of respect being shown to Tony within the Serbian handball community uh, and the impact he's already made. Yeah, let's let's be honest. Maybe Petar Nenadic was very important player for Serbian national team, especially for that game against Croatia. Because if Dunjak is X factor in creating Petar has to be X factor for Serbian team in that game. But now I'm witness because um, I was following what Serbian team is doing on preparation that. Team is really homogen, and uh, Tony Gerona he took everything on his back. Gerona bring this, bring peace, bring the system, and let's see if that is enough to this group because group is, is extremely complicated. I'm sure that Serbian team will fight all these three games. That's that's for sure. Lovely, but Dragon, it's been a pleasure to have you on to to get your insight. Uh, it's been fantastic to hear from you. A nice overview of of all the teams, really, not just Serbia, which is. Uh, refreshing to hear uh take care and, and as you said hopefully see you in seged uh, in a few days time it was a pleasure to be with you see you soon and let's enjoy this amazing competition well said thank you dragon and uh, before we talk about the rest of the group we'll uh take a quick look at 
our pre-championship video for Croatia. I saw that matches many times and Denmark was better. They had a better goalkeeper, especially in the final. And in Austria, it was a good game for us for 50 minutes. Then we fell down. They have a better team. That's it. I have a lot of medals for Croatia and I'm proud for everyone. I think I have until now 10. But one thing is still missing and I change everything for this one shiny gold medal for Croatia. And I'm still dreaming, I'm still hoping that I can achieve it. It's absolutely an honor to be here, to play for the, one of the best nations in the world. I'm a little bit nervous at the beginning every time, but I think this is normal. Uh, it's like a second family here. Uh, we enjoy every moment and I'm really happy to be here. The most important thing is that we never give up. When we started, my generation in 2002, we started like, like it's a fight for every piece of the court, every ball, every attack, every defense. And I think because of that, we won so many medals in the next 10 years. We need to look forward and I think that this 2022 will be better for Croatia handball in general. I think and I hope that the young players can make a step forward and bring back the Croatian handball where it should be. At least try to fight for the semi-finals and then when you come to the semi-finals, everything can happen. So as I said, a nice overview there from Dragan Jukic. He, he gave us some good insight for all of the teams, actually. And unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to get a picture from Zika Bogdanovic from Balkan Handball and Handball Planet. So he wasn't able to join us. Maybe we'll try and get him uh, later on in the championship for another chat. But we had a nice talk uh, mostly about Serbia there. But looking at Croatia, uh, a few different sides of this story to look into here. As was mentioned, there there are some really interesting players coming up for this team, in particular Halil Jaganjac and even Martinovic. But as you said, Alex, it, it does feel like they're going uh, on the down a little bit. Um, not the team that they used to be a couple of years ago might have been a big chance for them. What do you make of them at this championship? I think on the down, it's probably a little bit harsh. Um, I think they're they're in a little bit of a transition. And... On the other side of that transition, there's actually two shining stars in Halil Jagaznats and Martinovic, two players you've highlighted there. They're both players that can step up to the absolute highest level to kind of replace Stepancic or Sindrich, who's been um, injured and uh, I think had COVID issues coming into this championship as well. So there's going to be a lot of responsibility on them. I'm not sure if they are ready to take that responsibility yet. Halil has shown it that he's just a bit of a bull in a china shop. Sometimes he tries to do too much. I think Martinovic has actually been a fantastic player. Um, this season in the Bundesliga, he's the 
fourth highest non-seven meter scorer in the Bundesliga, which is a, a very impressive feat for a, a young guy. So if they do get those two guys going, I think they do have potential to, you know, make some waves, but I still don't see them making waves in terms of medals. Okay. Uh, we're going to bring Zika, uh, who has managed to join us in the end. It's good news after all. Zika Bogdanovich from Balkan Handball and Handball Planet, the editor-in-chief. How are you? For for this technical, I don't know what. <laughs> well, we, we, we'll persevere with you. Uh, we'll get you on for, for a couple of minutes. Uh, first of all, I know you had a chat with Tony Girona today on the, the Instagram Live. I saw it was on, on Balkan Handball. What's the latest news from the Serbian team and, and how is Tony feeling at the moment? Today it was a good day because uh, we had only one positive test in Serbian team. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good day. Uh, but uh, in total, I think that it's 17 positive people in, in the Serbian team from the, from the 2nd of January. So basically from the 2nd of January, uh, team wasn't complete on the training session and, uh, from the 5th of January, uh, it's more like, uh, quarantine days for the, for the, for the guys. And they are just doing some gym and some exercises. And actually, director of the national team, Radko Niklic, for example, he should, uh, he must have played, uh, on the left wing because there were not enough players for the, for the, for the, you know, for the playing on two sides. So it's quite, um, let's say disastrous uh, situation uh, but these guys who are who are negative who are positive now they were negative today so they are finally going back to the to the process and of course after two negative tests uh, they have to make some healthy check till uh, we don't know uh, which team will travel uh, the first plan was uh, for Serbia was to travel uh, tomorrow but I think that they will not uh, they will not go to Seged tomorrow. Uh, good thing is that uh, Segedin is from Belgrade two hours by bus, so it's easy to to come there. But uh, I think that uh, national team will postpone the the arrival the departure to to Seged uh, for one day. In the moment, uh, only Milan Milic from uh, Nantes. The right young right back, he's out of the championship because he was positive on January 9th. And all other players, uh, Girona count on them. Uh, even some of them uh, will probably miss the first match against UK. So obviously that's difficult for any team to be going to go through. And, I, and then we hope that the players do recover quickly and maybe they can get back into the squad in time for some matches. But maybe let's try and focus on some positives before... Uh, we move on. Um, you interviewed Tony Girona and you said to me off air that you really like him as a coach. Why do you like Tony Girona as a coach? Actually, uh, he brought something new to the Serbian team. Uh, he has huge experience. He was, uh, he conquered Asia with El Jaish and also Tunisia with, uh, Africa with Tunisia. Players believe in him. Uh, he made a good, uh, atmosphere in the team. Uh, we had, uh, Finally, we got uh, we got uh, we got the foreign coach from the from the most uh, let's say prestigious uh, coaching nation, Spaniard. In the moment, that is going very good. 
and this uh, one year and a half, it's more, it, it was only only progress for Serbian team. He made uh, he put some new names in the in the team in the squad. So everything was, let's say, like a dream until this second of January, when we find out that he and Vladimir Cukara were positive and Bogdan Radivojevic, of course. So uh, a lot of positive thing, a lot of positive energy uh, with Girona, and uh, I think that we have a bright future with him. Apart of this, uh, actually, we don't speak now about uh, ambitions in in the tournament. This because he he told me today that his only ambition now it's not result it's only that all the players who care, who come to with him to Seged to stay healthy and without some serious injuries after 7 8 days in, in their rooms well i think we'll have to cut you a little bit short zika but before you go we'll ask you for your predictions of the top 3 teams and mvp in this championship okay i understand uh, of course, Denmark. Uh, I actually I don't see anyone except Denmark and France who can who can win the tournament. Uh, Denmark, of course, I will be probably boring to say MVP will be Michael Hansen or or Niklas Lundin. Let's say let's say Hansen. But if from from some other team, maybe Dikamem. Let's say let's let's see. So Denmark, France, and uh, from this part Norway or Spain. But I don't think that Spain can uh, repeat uh, another, can win another goal without Entre Rios and Alex Shabat. They are, you know, key players and match winners. So I don't think they are capable to beat these two serious, these two serious teams like Denmark and France. You know, you say it's boring, but uh, if we're all right at the end, then we're doing our jobs right. So, uh, Zika, thanks a lot for, for joining us. Hopefully you stay healthy and, and hopefully see you again soon. Enjoy the championship. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye, and now that we we've heard from both of our guests for this group we'll move on to our predictions for group c quickly before we move on to the next group and uh, having a quick look over here i think we there's a few games here in which we do disagree uh right at the top though when it comes to serbia versus ukraine uh, we're all pretty much on the same line there me and brian going for the exact same scores in, in fact there but Croatia and uh, France, that's where I believe we have another Brian Campion draw. Yeah, another Brian Campion draw. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just feel like given all, all the problems that France had, and I mean, that has changed in the last 24 hours since I made uh, that, that decision. I'm not sure it'll be the same right now, but I thought that Croatia might put it up to them given maybe the match, match fitness problems that France might be, might be having. Uh, if you were asking me my opinion now, I'd probably say France plus three, uh, with, with Sindrich and WWF today announced that they have COVID and they probably won't be traveling with the team there, uh, for the moment. So yeah, I'll, I've, I've changed my mind since then, but yeah, <laughs> a Brian Campion draw officially. <laughs> yeah. Uh- I think this group is the one that has the most question marks due to COVID because we have two teams that have been absolutely decimated um, with COVID cases since the start of January in France and Serbia. And it's really difficult to see how those teams will, let's say, get into the championship. What is good for Serbia is that they play Ukraine first, maybe gives them an opportunity to get a game in 
France straight away go up against Croatia. You know, maybe that is a, a, a real banana skin for them. Uh, and elsewhere, I mean, every every one of these games between the top three, basically, there there's almost nothing to choose between them. Like the the Croatia Serbia game, which has been a big part of what we talked about here, we have a a one goal victory for Serbia here on my book. The same for Brian, uh, and then a twenty one twenty one. Uh, brutal low scoring slog <laughs> of a game uh, in Alex's mind there which uh, I mean it's not a bad call whatsoever I don't think anyone will want to watch it uh, if not for, if purely for the brutality maybe but uh, and then we have a, a similar case in the the final game then between France and Serbia I have France down as a one goal win as does Brian there and Alex by two so Really, it is a fascinating group in that sense, and I'm I'm really excited about how it'll uh, develop. Particularly as I'll get to be commentating on it, I am just hoping that Ukraine uh, and Michael Beigler's youngsters will be able to give us some interesting games as well, which um, I think they might do in one or two of the games. Uh, maybe not against France, though. And I just wanna wanna add an extra prediction on top of my 21 21 slog and that is there will be three red cards in that game <laughs> that's just uh, an extra bit of spice for the <laughs> clash of the balkans there you go so we'll move on to group d because we have our next guest uh, already ready to go uh, and this one it's a uh, clash of the neighbors in the case of germany and austria we also have belarus and poland there so neighbors all around the place and uh, we're going to have a little focus on on austria and germany in particular uh, with our guest conrad vilchinski but before we chat to connie let's have a look at the pre-championship video for the austrians he's one of the most important players in our team, the leader um, for us. He's just, he wants to be the best. We are all happy that he's back in this shape and see him playing again. For me especially, it's, it's uh, always great fun to play with him. It was a hard year, it was really tough, um, probably the toughest time in my handball career because I never dealt with those kind of injuries before. It made me stronger in some, some ways, to see some things differently than before. It's his uh, attitude and, and his, uh, not only his performance on, on the pitch, it's also um, how he behaves uh, after, after games and uh, on and off the court. I'm really hardworking. Uh, for me, like the success of the team, that's uh, that's the number one priority, um, and help and help other guys uh, be better. That's what I'm trying to do as a, as a captain. He's good physically, but he's also investing a lot. And together with his strong mind, I think that's why he's Nico Bilic. It was incredible, especially playing in my home city with my family being there, my friends. And we also wrote history that's also really special and uh, it's a tournament that uh, I think um, the whole team won't forget. 
we are building the, the team now and we started with the European Championship. We are always uh, motivated and we have always high goals to achieve. So I think we have to, to do our first job, winning the first game and then uh, always looking to the next one. And the next is always the most important. I just enjoy to play and um, that's, that's the reason why I'm looking so much forward to play this championship. So there's a look at the Austrian team and in particular two of their young, I would say rising stars, but Nico Billick in his case already very much established and Sebastian Frimmel. And now to speak about them, we have our guest for Group D. It's Konrad Vilczynski, a former Austrian international uh, with an incredible record of 136 matches, 578 goals in that time. He's played in the EHF Euro in 2010, in 2014, and uh, among his club teams also played with Fuxa Berlin for five seasons. Connie, how are you? Hi, guys. I'm good. Thanks for the invitation. Good to yeah, see you. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. And I think we, you can give us a nice insight, not just into the Austrian team, but also uh, into Germany. But uh, we we heard there from Sebastian Frimmel and uh, Alice Pajovic, of course, the coach, and Nico Billick, who's made his comeback after a nasty injury last season. Uh, when you look at this squad now heading into this championship, what are your first impressions of the team? Well, I think it's the first time, at least, that uh, we don't have like any injuries. You know, and last year Nico Billig was missing, Alex Hermann was missing last uh, two years, so we always had some kind of problems. But this time we have like no excuses, and I think uh, a lot of players are in a good shape. I'm a little bit uh, excited how Nico Billig will perform because he had a hard injury and he hasn't got the big role now at the Avakil where he's playing now. So it's going to be, I think, a very important uh, European Championship for him because he will get the big role. He will have a lot of responsibility on the pitch, but uh, and he will get a lot of minutes, of course, to play. But I'm not sure if he's uh, on the level that uh, we know him from the European Championship to 2020. Do you think that maybe this European Championship might be a way for Nicola to get back into that that level that you were talking about, or get to get back up there where he was performing in the past? Definitely, it will. Uh, I also spoke to the to the uh, sports director in Kiel, uh, uh, Victor Shilagi, and that's also the goal what the, the Kiel guys have. You know, they know that Nico is a big star in Austria and that he has a lot of responsibility. And in Kiel, they have like a lot of players like Nico, so they are like um, seeing it as a big ch- chance for Nico. And definitely, it will be for the Austrian national team. Of course, we know Nico as the big leader, and and we know him as a player and we need his performance so i'm excited but he's you know a great personality a great character and a big leader and i know he's working very hard so i hope he will like need maybe the first half on the first game to to find uh, his old role in the national team yeah definitely it's it's really all about uh nikolai bilic with this austrian national team even the way they play but maybe can you give some insights into some other players that might be ready to take on a bigger role in this championship for the Austrian team? Absolutely. There are some. You know, I think uh, last summer, some of the Austrian players made the next step in their career. For example, we have seen in video Sebastian Frimmel. He was playing for Schaffhausen, a very good season, but now he, he went to Seged to Hungary to play Champions League and he's performing absolutely on a very, very high level. So I think he could be a very, very good left uh, wing player in this European uh, Championship. Uh, next player is uh, Lukas Hutacek. 
He was playing for Fiverr's team in Vienna. He's now playing for for Germany, TBV um, Lemgo, in German Bundesliga. So he's like an upcoming star in Austrian handball, and he could be like a surprising, you know, a player for the Austrian team. But we also have like other routine player like Janko Bozovic, Robert Weber, of course, right wing. And we have uh, Golub Doknic. He's a Serbian goalkeeper. Was playing many years for Hart for the top team in Austria. He got the Austrian passport um, one year ago. So it's his first tournament. I think he's like 39 or 40 years old. So starting his career quite, quite uh, late. But he's very routine and he's like a very outcoming goalkeeper. So he could uh, also have a decisive role in our team. Yeah, when you, when you mentioned the players like that and, and Hudacek, uh, as you mentioned, is a, is a really exciting prospect. And I think a lot of people saw him in the European League last season for the first time and saw how comfortable he was against you know the level of players he'll be playing uh, against uh, this month. But the, the goalkeeper position is something I wanted to ask you about because you know in your own time you've been uh, used to players like Marinovic and Toby Bauer who have been uh, minding the post for for a long time with the team. Toby Bauer then uh, retired from the national team last season, uh, and then you have players like you mentioned who are coming in who are maybe more uh, used to the Austrian league level. Is that maybe one position of worry, perhaps? Yes, I, I think we have not only one position. I think we have a little bit of worries about the Austrian defense. So like one or two very routine and like good defense uh, specialists or good players are missing. You know, that was like the handicap in the, in the last uh, tournaments. I think we, we have a, a very, very good uh, attack with all those players like Billig, like Kutacek, like Fremel, like uh, Weber. We, the, the coach Pajovic can change a lot. So I'm, I have no worries about the, the attack from Austria. I have the worries about the, the defense and of course a little about the goal, goalkeeper. We have good talented goal player, uh, goalkeepers, but they're not yet on the level we should have to, to come maybe to the main round. And that's why maybe Golub Doknic could, could take this role. So when you, when you look at the group and you look at, you're coming up against Germany, Belarus and, and Poland, which teams are, where do you see the opportunity for Austria there to pick up points? Well, I think it's no surprise. I think uh, Germany is still the, the big favorite for this group. Um, even if they had some changes in the squad, but uh, I like those, the, the team, I like the young players. So I think they, they're going to have the first place in this group. And then it's a big chance uh, to, to reach the, the, the second place. You know, from the paper, I see Poland uh, with a little advantage. For sure, they're not on the same level they have been like 10 years ago. With, you know, Bielecki, Kacik and all those guys. But they are like also with a good, uh, talented player playing in many European uh, clubs. So, but this, this team we can uh, like beat, you know. And the Belarus we know from many games in, in the past, uh, I think they are equal with Austria, you know. We have won, uh, against them in the European Championship 2020. We have won in the qualification. One year before we lost against them. So I think this, like all those teams are like almost equal. So I think we have a chance to get the, to be second in this group. But of course, on, on bad days, we also can take the fourth place. Thanks a lot, Connie, for your deep insight. And as is tradition now, we, we ask every guest for their prediction for the full tournament to, to pick your first, second and third and MVP. Who do you have? Okay, I'll start with the third place because I'm a big fan of, of hosts, you know, and I hope the Hungarian team will get the bronze medal. 
I know the the fans are fantastic and they will push the team. And I think they have good players like Lekai, like Vanidi. Uh, they could make the difference. So I'm, uh, yeah, I hope for Hungarian making a bronze medal. And in the final, yeah, a typical all the favorites, but uh, I would say this time, I think it's going to be a Scandinavian uh, final between Denmark and Norway. Denmark will get the gold medal, Norway the silver. And this time, it's time for Sander Sagos and getting the MVP. That's a, that's a good set of predictions. I think uh, we're on board with you with Hungary as well for the bronze medal. That'll be a great story if they can uh, do that. I mean, you've experienced the home Euro as well, so, so you know how special uh, it can be. So, Connie, thanks a lot for your insight and, and for taking the time this evening to talk to us. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at some point during the Euro. Thanks. You too. See you. Yeah, take care. Thank you, Connie. And we'll have a look at the the overview of the the group now. Some interesting insights, as we said there, about Austria in particular. But I think we have to uh, delve into the German side here. Germany, we we love talking about Germany on the podcast, usually because we love taking the piss out of them. And <laughs> they're they're the team everybody loves to hate. I think in one way or another. Maybe that's being too harsh. Uh, but that's why we have Brian here. So Brian, let loose. Ah oh, no, I, I'm I'm uh, I think <laughs> Germany are maybe <laughs> I'm ba- I'm backtracking now I'm backtracking. Uh, uh, I think Germany are, they reached highs back in 2016 that no one expected, and since then ha- obviously haven't been able to repeat it. And I think right at this moment, they have Alfred Giesesen coming in as a new coach, maybe still somehow maybe with all the stopping and starting through the season, aren't fully finding their feet quite yet. They're going to be missing a lot of their core players this time out as well. It's people like Paul Drucks with a knee injury, Patrick Grotsky, Vida, but for personal reasons, aren't going to be at the Euro, uh, Semper with his knee injury, and then Kohlbach are also injured. So they're missing a lot of their really, really core players there. But there will be an opportunity here for some of the younger players to step up. And I caught the end of the their friendly against uh, France and uh, a player like Lukas Witzkes, he scored the clutch goal right at the end to to get the win for Germany. And uh, there's going to be a, a, a stage now for these players to really step up for Germany. So it's exciting in that regard. But I don't I don't see them picking up a medal. I think it was Marcio said to pick up a silver. So I don't I don't sorry Marcio I don't see that. <laughs> I think I, th- <laughs> I think in the chat there was some surprise there as well when he, he made that prediction. But. You know, it was, as you said, in 2016, they managed to do it uh, in circumstances that nobody expected, that they managed to go all the way to the, the final and win it with a team that people didn't really uh, understand how they were doing it. Uh, and maybe now it's because they look a bit weaker that uh, we can't really hate on them as much now because they are maybe going to be underdogs in this one. They're, they're missing a lot of players, some who chose not to be a part of the team uh, for one reason or another. Uh, the playmaker role stands out to me there and when I was looking at the key players I put Philip Faber in there not necessarily because he's one of the top three players but I think his performance will be key for them in defining success so what do you think about that Alex? Yeah we, we talk about Philip Faber a lot for a player who's quite average and not a playmaker. I think it's a it's a real pity that Yuri Thor decided to not come to this championship um, he would have had an opportunity to actually, he had like a taste of controlling the team in the last championship and he could have stepped into a role. So I think we're going to see a Germany team kind of very similar to what they are every year where they're 
quite big. They're going to be physical on defense. They're going to be strong, but at the end, the ball is just not going to move, and they're going to rely on their backcourt shooting. And they do have fantastic backcourt shooters like Julius Kuhn. Sebastian Heyman is definitely a player to look out for. I think he is ready to become the next German star, and and this could be a tournament for him. You know, they're going to rely on their backcourt shooting, but we know that handball is moving away from nine-meter shots and into breakthroughs and higher percentage shots. And if looking at this German squad, I can't really see any player that is actually that dynamic one-on-one player to to beat defenses and score those high percentage goals. And that's what will slow him down in this championship. Yeah, it's fair. And I have there, you know, that the... Uh... The lack of backcourt creativity is the potential reason why they, they won't be successful here as they, they may rely too much on the, the long range shooting, as you mentioned. And uh, I think we can move on to the Belarus boys because we, we followed the, the Austrians quite a bit with Connie. So we'll go into Belarus next. And well, it's been quite an interesting season handball wise coming out of Belarus, uh, for the players, uh, and the clubs. But now they get a chance to maybe put that behind them and uh, deliver for the national team this month. Belarus, over the years, I've maybe expected more or expected too much from them. Maybe in the last couple of championships, thought they would deliver more than they have. Um, I always see them as a a team that can, on their day, do some damage. Uh, And for me, they are the favorites to to join Germany in the main round. Uh, I don't know what you think of them, Brian. You're a... Uh, you've been following the exploits of Meshkov Brest this season. Uh, a few of the players on the Meshkov team, a few important players from Meshkov Brest in this Belarus team. Yeah, I mean, as you said, I think they can, on a really good day, pull off a, a massive uh, re- result. I mean, obviously, Meshkov Brest have have been have had a pretty poor season so far. Um, but I think we're not here to discuss club handball. But I think the biggest thing for the biggest weakness for Belarus probably they're missing uh, Artsam Karalek, obviously who who's ankle who's out with an ankle injury. He really is the core of the Belarusian attack and defense. I think he gives so much to the team. Also in terms of motivation, he's he's a he's a real he's a real leader on the on the pitch on the court. Excuse me, and they're really going to miss him this time out. Um, but they do have some really good back backcourt shooters. We've seen someone like Kulish, for example. If he he can turn it on, not you, Alex, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Kulish, their their left back. If he if he can if he can turn it on, he can he can he can really cause trouble to any team. But the problem is maybe he's a little bit inconsistent with sometimes. But yeah, overall, I'd say they're they're probably going to finish second in the group. You know, we have uh, an opportunity here with Karolek not being in the squad for Vyacheslav uh, Bokan the Motor Zaporozhia line player, who's somebody that, Alex, you've been very excited about over the last year. Ah, he's just a big brute. I love him. He's just, he's one of those classic tall line players that, you know, you throw the ball up and he'll catch it anywhere uh, and he'll score goals. And he seems to just, uh, he, he surprises teams somehow, even though he, he's been doing it for kind of a year and a half now, every time he kind of checks into a game or game starts, teams really struggle with him. Sometimes they figure him out, sometimes they don't. But I think offensively, he is probably better than Karlek. Uh, Defensively is where um, Belarus will have problems. 
Moving on to Poland, then the fourth team in this group. They've uh, fallen on hard times in recent years, but the World Championship last January gave us something to, to hope for if you're a Poland fan. And Alex, I believe you have them as a bit of a, a dark horse in this championship. I see it. I see it. I see Poland's new generation stepping up. Um, they have a few players that are kind of Let's say already stars. You, you've mentioned a couple of them in uh, Shipjack and Sichko. Uh, I would add Morito to that list of kind of established young stars uh, in world handball who are all just exciting. And the, it's a powerful team. They have, I think, a lot lies on the, the player you mentioned there, the 20-year-old playmaker, uh, Michael Olejnicek. Always Olenicek. struggle with that name. <laughs> Olenicek. There we go. 20-year-old playmaker, Olenicek. And um, I would be higher on Poland if we were two years later. I don't think Olenicek is quite ready. Um, I, I watched their game against Spain, the preview game, and he's very steady, uh, Olenicek. He knows how to control a, a game, but he doesn't have this... Ah, bravado of the young stars that we've highlighted before, like Gissel and Makuch, who are just take on a game and win it themselves. He doesn't have that yet. He doesn't have that confidence. Kielsa obviously have confidence in him and are uh, about to give him a contract until 2027. So, um, I trust Berta Servas and his insights. So I'm pretty excited for this, uh, Polish team. Brian, do you think that is a, a fair thing that for a team to look at a championship like this? Alex said in two years' time, he'd be a lot more excited about them. They do have the world championship that they're co-hosting with Sweden next year. Is this maybe just a chance for them to, to work on this team as a unit and not to worry so much about qualifying for the next round? I think it is. And I think I, I, I kind of like when national teams do that because I, they often, they're, they're planning for the future and it's often when they get unexpected results and I wouldn't be surprised if Poland goes out and shocks a lot of people I was just maybe a little bit insulted by Alex there when he didn't even mention Michel Datsek in his his best players of Poland he's the Polish legend he's the grandmaster you know he's he's the guy he's the captain fantastic like so if you're going to mention anyone up there the stars of Poland you cannot forget about Michel Datsek but I think also uh, Thomas Gibala, they're missing him I think uh, is, is going to be a big loss for them yeah. uh, but uh, interestingly Michael, with Datsek um the so he's really a right winger but marito has pretty much stolen a spot but he's so good that they can't leave him out of the team so he's their established right back which which is pretty fun to watch because he's um let's say not built like your classic uh backcourt player yeah but he can't he can't jump shoot though which is uh you know and if there's one it it, it is a trend in right wingers to just like turn into right backs when they're needed like Ivan Chupic style or Matthias Zacharyson uh, we've seen it over the years so we'll go into the uh, predictions then for group D and let's see where we've gone uh, looking at the Germany games first of all because they are you know regardless of the the squad the the favorites in many people's eyes to progress but i see alex kulesh has predicted a victory for belarus in the opening game i hope this is not just another typo <laughs> absolutely not um and I, again I, I believe 
that potentially Germany face a first round exit. Um, and I'm not even sure if my scores add up there for Germany first round exit, but <laughs> Belarus, um, first game for, for Germany uh, is going to be a tough one. And if Belarus get going in that first game, they, they can't pull out of it. I see. You also have Poland and Germany then drawing on the, the final game, which, uh, actually when we look at the, the scores overall for that Poland Germany game, the last round, uh, all very close. So we have Alex with a draw, Brian with a two goal win for Germany, myself with a one goal win for Germany. I reckon Austria have, and I, I'm feeling a bit more confident now that I've spoken to Connie about it, that they have a chance to, to get a result. <laughs> somewhere as well not necessarily to qualify but they have a chance to get a result and uh that poland game the first one it all looks like we've gone for the nitty-gritty mid to low 20s in there brian has a one goal win for poland and uh overall though you reckon belarus are, are just a bit too good for them brian yeah i just think they have maybe a little bit more experience and the polish team might be a little bit naive in certain parts of the, the court but uh, yeah i just it's just gonna be very very close it's it was a, it was a, it was a tricky decision. It was one I actually changed once, so I wasn't fully committed to it. Yeah, and, uh, what, why it. why are you guys so low on Poland? What what's the deal? Not, Poland, they're Poland. looking it's just good. They are. You have them drawing with Austria. (laughs) It's it's Austria. And the best player hasn't really played handball for about two years. And you have a draw Poland against Austria. I I just see it happening. You know, Poland are going to have to... It's going to take a while for the Polish motor to get going. And I fear it'll be too late by the time it does. Uh, As is the nature of this championship, because uh, it is... Three games in the opening round, only the top two going through. But I just noticed here, Alex, you have, what, three draws in, uh, or two draws, three draws in, in this group. <laughs> it's a tight group. Uh, it's a tight championship. And yeah, the, the reason why I have draws here is because every team is a little bit inexperienced. And I don't, I, I suppose Germany do have their established stars. So, um, they can take over games, but for Poland and Belarus, um, they're two teams that I don't know. Maybe they don't know exactly who to pass to yet, um, and haven't figured that out. So that that leads to draws. Well, draws all around in Group D, and now we're moving on to Brian's groups, starting with Group E. Well, you're gonna have to wait just a little bit to hear E and F we'll have the final preview podcast out tomorrow morning that'll give you plenty of time to check that out before the game start on Thursday evening you can also if you're just so keen to hear what we had to say head on over to the home of handball twitch channel where you can see us talk about it we have two fantastic guests on for groups E and F as well they were brilliant And thank you for listening to today's podcast. We'll see you again tomorrow.